0: Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Happy Thursday to you and yours. Fantastic show planned for you today. It it will not be the most upbeat show we have planned for you today, but uh, we are going to delve into a very serious issue that is rocking the sports world and and really rocking the world uh, outside of sports as well. This story has been in the news since mid-January when a young woman uh, was murdered in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. A Alabama basketball player at that time was known to be involved. Darius Miles, a 21-year-old uh, player on the Alabama basketball team, we, come to, we came to find out sometime in January that he, had handed the shooter a gun, and that the shooter then shot the woman and shot at her boyfriend. And so Darius Miles was immediately uh, kicked off the Alabama basketball team. He was arrested. And it turned out, I believe the other guy's name was Michael Davis. Uh, was, and this was a friend of his from, from high school, I believe, or a friend of his from back home. Darius Miles is from uh, D.C., and the young man, Davis, I believe, is from Maryland. And so Miles and this guy have a childhood friendship. This kid uh, comes up to Tuscaloosa, whether to visit or maybe he was staying up there. I don't know, but his buddy's playing at Alabama. His boy from home, uh, the Davis character, is coming up there to visit. They have a dispute in a parking lot, and, and at that time, all we're told is that Darius Miles gave his gun to the Davis guy, who then shot into the car, killing a woman, Jamea Harris, I believe is her name, and shooting at, I think, she had a boyfriend there whose last name, I believe, was, oh man, I don't, I don't Johnson. I believe. And so that's what we heard in January. This week, we learned through, I think, a grand jury hearing that Alabama's best basketball player, future NBA lottery pick, five-star basketball recruit from Tennessee, the Nashville area. He played at Cane Ridge High School here in the Nashville area from Antioch uh, Tennessee he, he again six foot nine terrific basketball player uh, Alabama's best basketball player Alabama's got either the number one or two ranked team in the country they've been vying for the number one spot all year Alabama's having a terrific basketball season thanks to their freshman sensation Brandon Miller headed to the NBA lottery pick a one-and-done kid. We find out this week, yesterday, that um, Brandon Miller drove the car, or drove to pick up Darius Miles with a gun in the back seat. Darius Miles had asked, had sent some sort of text message telling uh, Brandon Miller, hey, I need my joint, Cold word, gun. It's in the back of, he didn't say this in the text, but it's in the back of Brandon Miller's car. Brandon Miller had dropped Darius Miles off at a bar and had gone someplace else to eat. And so now that we know that Brandon Miller is involved, this story has taken on a whole new life. It was bad enough that an Alabama basketball player, Darius Miles, had handed this gun to a friend who immediately shot and killed a woman. Now we find out a kid headed to the NBA, a virtual lock for the lottery, maybe one of the top two or three picks in the NBA draft, a finalist, he's been named a finalist for the Wooden Award. As a freshman, he's averaging 19 points per game. This story has taken on a whole new life now. This kid, Brandon Miller, Alabama, again, this event happened in mid-January, I believe January 15th. Darius Miles is off the team uh, early in mid-January. Brandon Miller has continued to play, and now that's come under a great deal of scrutiny. And what is the motive? What is the agenda? Why is Brandon Miller still playing on the Alabama basketball team? Why is he not facing criminal charges for his involvement in the shooting. It's become a very complicated and controversial story that will have national implications. Alabama is one of the top two or three basketball teams in all the country. Today's date is February the 23rd. That means we're six days from March, March, in college basketball means March Madness, the NCAA tournament. The national media will turn its attention to college men's basketball very soon. And one of the best players in the country on one of clearly the best teams in the country is involved in a murder investigation. There's a lot to unpack here. This may take me some time. We're going to hopefully have Steve Kim On today's show but I want to get into a discussion of this what potentially could be going on uh, at Alabama and why they're sticking by Brandon Miller and and just why I've been reluctant to tweet anything about this some of what I will unpack today will be personal just trying to get you to understand To the best of my ability, what might be going on, but I just want to enter a few things into the record first before I start unpacking any of my opinions. And I want to start first with Brandon Miller's lawyer, attorney, issued a statement yesterday after this controversy took new life and people started tweeting out their thoughts and people started vilifying alabama vilifying brandon miller why is he still on the team why is alabama allowing him to play Uh, clay travis has been a leader of of stirring up uh, a lot of animus towards alabama just remember this kid is from tennessee played at a Nashville area high school, King Ridge, and chose to go play at Alabama. We'll get into that. His dad played football at Alabama back in the 1990s. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that as I unpack some of the story. But I first want to start with the lawyer for Brandon Miller entering some facts into the record. I'm going to read his full statement. It's somewhat long. Bear with me, but I, I just think we have to enter this into the record. Uh, As one of the attorneys for Brandon Miller, I want to provide additional facts on Brandon's behalf in response to misstatements in reporting yesterday regarding Brandon. Brandon and his family are horrified and saddened by the events that led to the senseless death of Miss Harris and continue to offer their most sincere thoughts and prayers for her family. On January 14th, Brandon played in a basketball game in the afternoon, and later was asked by Darius Miles for a ride to the to the strip area to go to a nightclub. Mr. Miles brought his legal handgun and left it in the backseat of Brandon's vehicle. Brandon never saw the handgun nor handled it. Further. It is our understanding that the weapon was concealed under some clothing in the back seat of his car. Brandon did not go inside the nightclub. Instead, he left and went to a restaurant to eat. At approximately midnight, Mr. Miles began asking Brandon to come pick him up so that they could leave and go to another location and join friends. Brandon advised that he would be along later and approximately one hour later, Brandon began to leave the restaurant to pick up Mr. Miles, but first had to give another companion a ride home before Brandon arrived to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles and the individual with Miss Harris apparently exchanged words without Brandon knowing any of this context. And as Brandon was already on the way back to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles, texted Brandon and asked him to bring him his firearm. Brandon subsequently arrived at the scene to pick up Mr. Miles. Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Miss Harris's party. He was never involved in its exchange to Mr. Davis in any way and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. Brandon did not block the Jeep driven by Mr. Johnson. In fact, Brandon had already parked on Gray Street when the Jeep pulled up behind them. The street was never blocked by Brandon's vehicle. Gunfire erupted shortly after the Jeep arrived and Brandon's vehicle was struck by bullets fired from one of the guns. Brandon quickly left the area when gunfire erupted. As soon as he was uh, notified that someone had been injured and police wished to speak with him, he has fully cooperated with law enforcement's investigation. All of the events described above are clearly captured on video. There is no dispute about Brandon there's no dispute about there's no dispute this seems weird. There's no there's is, there is no dispute about Brandon has submitted to multiple interviews to assist law enforcement in further understanding of his automobile. He will continue to cooperate as any citizen should who has witnessed a serious incident. Brandon does not own a firearm and has never even handled a firearm. Moreover, he had no knowledge of any intent to use any weapon. That's from the lawyer. There's a lot there. And and, again, this is from his lawyer. This is good Johnny Cochran style work. He's speaking on behalf of his client. This is a very, the most powerful thing he has on here is like all these events are captured on video and they'll back up what I'm saying. It it does not. The only gray area in this statement to me is the, oh, Brandon didn't even know that there was a gun in the car, there's an insinuation. I don't know if this is stated clear, but there's an insinuation like Brandon just drove up there not knowing that there was a a gun in his back seat. And when uh, uh, Darius Miles said, bring me my joint, you know, if you read this statement and take it verbatim, it sounds like Brandon has no idea that he's driving his car up there and that there's a gun that's gonna be retrieved out of the backseat of that car when Darius Miles clearly asked, why would he say bring me my joint if, if Brandon Miller didn't know that there was, the gun was in the back of the car? He w- the text would, would say, hey man, I left my gun in the back of your car, or I left my joint in the back of your car. It's underneath those papers. Could you drive it up here? But if the guy just said, hey, I need my joint, and he's referring to gun, the clear implication is that when Brandon dropped him off at the nightclub, Darius Miles said, Hey man, I'm going to leave my legal firearm in the back seat of your car. Uh, I'll cover it up with this jacket or whatever because you're not just gonna drive around. A college kid, 19, 20 years old, isn't gonna just drive around with a gun laying in his back seat. If he gets pulled over by police for any reason, you just don't leave the gun laying out for everybody to see. You toss something over top of it and it sounds like Darius Miles either told him that or Upon discovering the gun, Brandon Miller, after he drops Darius Miles off, covers up the gun because he doesn't want to touch it. It sounds like he, he, Darius Miles is a shady dude. He's my teammate. Oh, man, he done left his gun in my car. Let me cover it up and, you know, just keep my day moving. I'm going someplace else. I don't want to smoke. I don't want to be bothered. Uh, Let me go eat with. A different group, my girlfriend, or whoever I'm flirting with, or whoever my group of friends are—that sounds more plausible. We've entered the lawyer statement into the record. I want to end, and, and I'm doing this only because Clay Travis represents a segment of the Twitter population that, uh, and, and the public jury uh, congregation that wants to convict. Alabama and or Brandon Miller or just trash Brandon Miller in Alabama without awaiting full clarity on what has happened all we really know is from the grand jury testimony that there was a text that said bring me my gun and the kid drove it up and on the surface that sounds horrible it really does and Brandon Miller seems to have made some really bad choices. But what should Alabama do? That's a deeper question than can be addressed and handled over Twitter. It's more complicated. It's not as cut and dry as you would think on the surface. But when you really don't care about people and you really mostly care about content, and that's the world we live in today, This is, I'm not trying to single Clay Travis out, but the world we live in today, everybody over social media cares far more about content than human beings. And so when you just want content and you just want to be first and you just want clicks and you just want a trend and you just want to be popular, you can't wait on facts you have to find a villain and you have to vilify someone as quickly as possible. That's the world we have created that most human beings are living in. There was a time people like me that are my age and then people that are older than me and then people that are dead remember a more contemplative society and culture because of all these technological advances. You know, you didn't have to have an immediate opinion. Back before Twitter and social media and the internet, there used to be time to reflect. As a newspaper journalist, because of deadlines and a printing press and the news cycle, you would have time to actually think and consult and do some searching and digging before going, here's the bad guy, this is the good guy, let's vilify this person. Then, and there were again, before everybody was locked on social media and all they had to do was hit the send button, there would actually be editors that would question and would say, Yeah, you can say that on Wednesday, but I would rather you wait until Thursday. Let's gather more information and then, perfectly fine to have that opinion, but let's gather more information and then come with that opinion on Thursday or Friday. Or you know what, that might even wait until Monday. And maybe by Monday you won't want to fire off that opinion. I am not trying to single out Clay Travis. Clay Travis has singled himself out by rushing to be front and center and first on this and with the strongest opinion. Here's what Clay Travis has tweeted. Alabama has had some proud moments as an athletic program, allowing Brandon Miller to continue to be on, a, on scholarship and represent the university after facilitating the murder of an innocent mother is the most indivisible thing I've seen an SEC school do in athletics in my life. Whoa. Brandon Miller has facilitated a murder of an innocent mother in Alabama, uh, is defending this kid just because they want to win games. That's what that tweet infers. The following tweet, Brandon Miller is a very talented basketball player, so talented, in fact, he's getting away with accessory to murder. Alabama has always had idiot fans. But for a coach, an AD, and a freaking school president to sign off on him playing is an embarrassment to the entire conference. These are powerful statements thrown out there and then finally most sports media aren't equipped to handle stories like this and most team sports media are glorified homers with limited intelligence who will cover for their favorite team no matter what they do I actually felt bad for the ESPN announcers trying to handle this game tonight there's literally no precedent for a situation like this in modern college sports this isn't really a sports story it's about how supremely talented people don't have the law applied to them like normal people do if Miller were a walk-on He'd be off the team and probably charged with a crime, but he's a superstar, so the law doesn't apply to him. Embarrassing on all fronts for Alabama, the state, and the university. That's a lot. I, 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 I'm, oh, he's, Clay has put himself out there as the leader of the Hangham High lynch mob. That's why he's being addressed. He's not alone. That's why I'm addressing it. If he were just a lone person running out with this opinion, I wouldn't address it. He, His thoughts represent a lot of people. And and so as someone who actually has spent, you know, I, if I've been doing this since 1990. What is that? Is that I graduated college in 1990 is 2023. Is that 30? 30, that's 33 years. And so I probably spent the first. 26 years of my career as a practicing journalist. Now I dabble in journalism from time to time. And so as someone with a great deal of journalism experience, this is why I say like, hey man, this is way too serious for Twitter. And just firing off Twitter opinions immediately. There will be a time for Twitter opinions. It's just way too soon. We don't know the facts and not only do we not know the facts, we don't know the context because we haven't had time to even ponder them. I spent this morning trying to get a handle on who Brandon Miller is and why is Alabama proceeding in this fashion? And so I, again, I live here in Nashville. Brandon Miller made his, Bones is a high school basketball star in the Nashville area. He's been coached and mentored and developed by people right here in Nashville. Clay Travis is from Nashville. I've lived here for the past three years. So I got on the phone and talked to people with a stronger connection and some background and history on Brandon Miller. I got on the internet and started reading up on Brandon Miller, trying to figure out What's going on here? What could be motivating Alabama beyond dollars and cents and just, oh God, we got a chance to win a national championship. That, that may be what's driving Alabama. That might be, but it could be other things as well. And so This is what I discovered, and hopefully I'm gonna have even more conversations today and tomorrow and and get a deeper understanding. And then when I go into my own life experience and just try to unpack how we got here, how is the star basketball player at Alabama, a role player on uh, Alabama's basketball team, Darius Miles, and and there's another kid, I believe his last name's either Bradley or Baden, I, I can't, there's another kid that was at the scene that's on the Alabama basketball team and I'm just, how, how, how did that happen? College kids, Tuscaloosa, involved in a shootout or at the scene of a shootout on a college campus? How? So here's one of the first things that <clears throat> I discovered. Brandon Miller comes from a great family, a great family, Brandon Miller from all reports, everything I could find out this morning, is a great kid from a great family. Brandon Miller's dad, Daryl Miller, was recruited to play football at the University of Alabama in the early 1990s. He spent one year on the Alabama football team. Daryl Miller, and when I read this, I was like, woo, I love this dude. Don't know him, never met him. I didn't see Brandon play high school ball. I don't know his family. I'm just telling you what I've learned from research and from talking to people. Daryl Miller, being a man, a real man, left the Alabama football team after one year because he decided, hey, I can't raise my son and pursue my college football dream. I have to go home to Nashville and raise my son. That's a real man. And I'm not saying every kid on a college campus that has a baby needs to quit college and go take care of their kids. But I salute Darryl Miller. That man is a big time college football player at the University of Alabama, he could have been driven by selfishness and his own desires of, "Oh, I can make it to the NFL. I'm at Alabama. I'm a tight end. Baby, just take care of the kid, and I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, pursue this football thing." Instead, he left football to go take care of that young man and marry that young woman, and they produce. A great child, not just a great athlete, everything I'm being told, this is a great young man who has a great sister as well. And so now you're sitting there saying, well, if he's such a great young man, why is he driving a gun to the scene of a murder? This connects to everything I talk about on this show and everything I've been trying to explain about modern culture, baby mama culture that everybody's upset with me about hip hop culture. When I've been calling it out for 30 years that it's poisonous, it's toxic, it damages everything that it touches. No one is left unscathed. I've been trying to point out as I did with the whole Tyree Nichols situation that if you want to buy into this baby mama culture and think there are no ramifications, repercussions, cause it affects Daryl and Yolanda Miller. They're married, raising their kids, but they're pushing, putting out their kids into this baby mama hip hop black culture that everybody else is celebrating. And so I don't want to go down the path of Brandon Miller's this victim, victim, victim. Brandon Miller made some bad choices here, but I know how it happens. You develop kids in a culture, this toxic, you cannot sit here and be shocked that that culture sucks them in and snuffs them out unintentionally that my understanding today, my belief today is this is a great young man trying to exist and live up to this standard that social media, corporate media, popular culture, the culture, black Twitter, He's trying to live up to those standards. And so when the 21 year old hood dude on your basketball team and his boy from the hood, that's up visiting you at college, when they say, come pick me up and bring me my gun, the good kid is caught between a rock and a hard place. He he's not thinking, They're going to use this gun to shoot and kill somebody. He's thinking like, I dropped him off. My guys in trouble. We're down in the South. This is his gun legally. Who knows what maybe someone is threatening to kill them. And the guy wants to defend himself. Am I going to be a sellout? And just drive home and say, "Nah, man, you're on your own. And then what if my boy gets shot and survives? And he's telling everybody on the team, man, I was surrounded by gang members and I asked uh, Brandon to bring me my gun that I legally have. I'm 21. It's a legal handgun, according to this lawyer. And Brandon left me stranded. This kid's caught between a rock and a hard place. He's on the Alabama basketball team that Nate Oates and Alabama have constructed, and there's an idiot in their midst. And Darius Miles, who can't leave his boy at home. He's bringing trouble to the University of Alabama. And so here's Brandon Miller, Daryl and Yolanda's son, who they've invested, who this man left his football career at the University of Alabama to invest in his child, and he gets his child to the point that he's in college, everybody swears by him as a kid, he's headed to the NBA and NBA riches, all he's got to do is survive the handful of idiots or the one or two idiots on the Alabama campus or on the Alabama basketball team and hope that they don't get don't rope his son into trouble. And it's a battle. I've been through that battle, not at the same level, but I've been through it. This toxic culture that we have where young black men think they got to be just street enough, so that no one can question their blackness. And then you feel that pressure. I'm going to walk you through. I mean again, how does Brandon Miller happen? My best friend in college. And and <clears throat> I will have to apologize to him after the fact cuz I'm going to call his name out. Frank Barnes. This is a great grown man, husband, father, great grown man he was a great young man great parents just like daryl and yolanda miller grew up in bolingbrook illinois i went to their home parents had done everything for frank and his two sisters and so this is going back to the 1980s when this street culture kept being uh, spread to us, promoted to us as this is black culture and you ain't black unless you're hood. And so the running joke we all had on Frank the entire time we were at Ball State, cause Frank would tell anybody when they say, where are you from? Chicago. We go Chicago. And, and back then I spoke far more inappropriately and I'll be N-word, I've been to your house from Bolingbrook. Cut it out. And the joke used to always be Frank wishes he had been in a drive-by shooting. It was a joke. But that's how compelled, and I I don't say that. I'm talking about Frank, great kid, great family, great parents, great sisters, great husband now, great father now great employee, great person. But when he was young, he wanted to be street. He, he wanted, cause he did, he spent a few years as a child in Chicago and then his parents did what they were supposed to do, moved him and his, their sister, their daughters up out of trouble out to Bolingbroke. And so Frank loved to claim Chicago, and love. oh, I know this gangbanger, I know this, blah, blah. And it was all just a joke to us, because Frank was just a good guy. But we joked the entire time. This pull on black kids to be street, popular culture sells that to us. Twitter reinforces it, enforces it. You ain't black unless you talk hood, Smoke weed, wear your pants hanging off your rear end, tatted up, looking like he just got released from jail. This has been going on now for 40 years. And so, how did Brandon Miller get here? I'm gonna go a step further. <clears throat> I'm a good kid. Mama Lovey, my grandmother, had me up in church since I was a little child. My mother taking us to church since I was a little child. My father did not tolerate any BS at all. I'm a good kid. I've told this story before publicly, probably don't speak for yourself, maybe on this show, but at Ball State University, me and another one of my best friends, a great young man I'm I'm, I don't Tim I apologize for saying your first name Tim great young man 3.0 student father committed just like Darryl Miller Uh, his father's one of the greatest people I've ever met Tim's mother but but Tim and his father just like this. And Tim's father took care of him. Tim read the Bible every day before practice and definitely read it on game day. Tim got shot as an 18-year-old outside of a Burger King in Detroit. Shot in the shoulder. It's the only reason why he came to Ball State. He was our best player, a middle linebacker, very talented player, too good for Ball State, but he got shot as an 18-year-old, and everybody backed away from him, and so he ended up at Ball State University. I think Tim's like six to eight months older than me. He really should have been in the class before me, but he was he was in my recruiting class because he got shot and was hospitalized, and just you know p- people backed away from him. But his reaction to getting shot at a Burger King parking lot in Detroit was. Tim carried a gun. I didn't know it. No one knew it. In hindsight, it made perfect sense. We all knew that he got shot uh, outside of a Burger King. He got jumped and shot and that changed the trajectory of his life. And so Tim at 18 said, well, he's never going to catch me without a gun. So he carried a gun and he brought that mentality to Ball State. I didn't know it at the time. So here we are. I think Tim and I are either juniors or seniors in college, and and we're it's a weekend, probably a Saturday, and we're driving to house parties. Or and I think we had found a house party, and we were uh, walking to the house party, and some townies, some Munsonians, drove by us and shouted the N word. Yeah, because yeah, we were. We were in Tim, no, we were walking towards Tim's car when they shouted the N-word. And so, not regardless, we swelled up, got shoulder to shoulder, and I jumped out, because uh, uh, I think we were in the car, and I jumped out and like, oh, we, we fitting to fight these white boys. They called us the N-word. Tim pops the back trunk of his car and I'm standing out in the street, come on back, come on back. And I look over to my left, Tim's popped the trunk of his car, and he's holding a Uzi in the air. A Uzi. I look up, like, Holy, God, what are you doing? I mean, it was, the first time I knew that Tim carried a gun. I'm a good kid, Tim's a good kid. But, This is how things happen. I sit there and think about me and my father and my father's battle me and him had about, and I'm not gonna call this guy's name, but one of my friends from high school, my best friend from high school, he went one direction, I went another direction, we maintained a friendship. He liked drugs, he liked selling little drugs. We maintained our friendship. My father was completely against it. My father knew this guy's father, and, and I knew the guy's father because he hung up my father's bar. Father actually was a good guy. But my friend liked drugs, sold a little drugs. Uh, his mother used drugs and he'd get them for her. And so my father was just against me and this guy continuing our friendship. Jason, you were going off to college. You're on a completely different path. You got to leave that alone. We used to have knockdown, dragout drag out fights. Because sometimes I would bring him up to the Masterpiece Lounge, my dad's bar. My father was just like completely against it. And it wasn't until, and this went on for a solid year and a half, me and my father arguing back and forth about it. I don't do that stuff, daddy, what do you worried about? But he was against it. And so it wasn't until one summer I come home and uh, me and this friend go hang out. We, we ride up in my car to Washington Square Mall in Indianapolis, hang out. Then we drive across town to my stepmother's house because he knew my stepmother and I needed to go visit my stepsister and stepmother. And then on the way home, uh, he asked me to make a stop in the hood on the way, on the way to me dropping him at home. And I, I'd already like, because I'd heard a phone conversation where it sounded like to me uh, his mother or somebody had asked him to pick something up on the way home. And so we, he asked me to stop, and we stopped at a dope house. I'm sitting out in the car in my little Honda Prelude. Uh, he goes into the dope house. No, I, I don't, he didn't tell me that's what he was doing, but I'm smart enough at this time, I'm like, oh man, we stopping at the dope house. They didn't call him trap houses in, just dope house. And he gets back in my car and I'm like, Phew. I don't say nothing to him, but I'm like, I know this dude got dope on him and I got to drive him back across town. And if we get stopped, it's going to be Jason Whitlock, the college athlete, just got in trouble for, you know, riding around with dope. And I'm thinking this the whole time we're driving home and I'm thinking about my father and I'm thinking about my father's right. I have to leave this dude alone, love him to death, but I I just can't jeopardize my future because my boy's into something I'm just not into. But it took, I had to be 21 or 22 years old when this happened. When I was a freshman, I was arguing with my father about it. Because I was still stupid, and kids are stupid, and they want to fit in, and they don't want to be sellouts. They don't want to get brand new on their friends, because that's the ultimate sellout. We're not allowed to elevate and move on and distance ourselves from people that have chosen a different path. That's not black. So, when I look at what's going on with Brandon Miller, and I start trying to ask myself, why is Alabama sticking with him? Obviously, he's super talented. Obviously, they got a great team but they probably know on a much deeper level what I know. This is a great young man who did something incredibly stupid. And so if Alabama, let's say they know this January 15th is when the shooting happened. Let's say that on January the 18th, they find out that Brandon Miller had driven up there and had done this. They hear the whole story. They look at the text messages. Maybe they talk with police and the police say, well, it looks like Brandon didn't know what he was doing and blah, blah. There will be no charges. So if if Alabama boots Brandon off the team while an investigation is ongoing. So let's say January 15th, the murder happens. On the 17th, because there's all this video, they know Darius Miles involved. The, 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 there's a possibility they know that Brandon's involved. Alabama kicks him off the team. Now there becomes public pressure. Now there it becomes a look like, oh, Brandon Miller did something illegal too, and he should be charged. And so Nate Oaks and all the Alabama people are like, Now the Darius Miles is a bad dude, we know this kid, we know his parents, we know he's a good kid. Do we throw him under the bus and then create public pressure for criminal charges to be filed against him? Do we do that kind of damage to Brandon Miller's reputation? Do we jeopardize and, and create a public swell for criminal charges to be filed against Brandon Miller when perhaps he's just a young, naive good kid who's caught in this toxic culture that we have put together for black kids to where they're constantly trying to prove their blackness and their blackness, has been defined by how shady, how criminal, how dangerous are you? That's the culture we ask black kids to exist in. And anybody that speaks out against it is a sellout. And uncle Tom doesn't understand that it's all Donald Trump's fault. We're raising young black men and black kids in this toxic culture and then wondering why flowers aren't blooming everywhere. The culture doesn't allow that. The, this culture that we place kids in, it destroys them. Some of, some kids survive it by grace and luck. But overall, this toxic hip hop negative culture destroys kids. They're not allowed to pursue academic achievement without being called a sellout and an uncle Tom. They're not allowed to tell their friends what you need a gun for, man. They're not allowed. That's soft. You're a sellout. You ain't street enough. They exist in a culture. I have not been to an Alabama basketball game, but I've been to enough college basketball games to know, and in enough basketball arenas, where the music that's piped into the arenas, the music that the athletes practice to in football and basketball, go to any practice, go to any summer seven-on-seven football, go to any AAU deal, the music that's piped in pushes a message that tells these kids to be thugs, to be drug dealers, to be racial idolaters. This culture of racial idolatry is what's killing these kids and placing them in vulnerable situations. And so perhaps Alabama is smart enough to see and compassionate enough to see Brandon Miller is trapped in a system that's set up to destroy him and to to destroy the work that Daryl and Yolanda Miller did. And we're going to take the heat and stick by because there is a chance that what this lawyer saying is mostly true. And even if it's not 100% true, even if there is a gray area, it's just not that hard to understand if you understand this culture we've placed these kids in. Brandon Miller made a bad decision. I'm not sure if the right decision is throwing him away and feeding him to the wolves. And, and, And yes, do I feel understand why people would be like, well, hold on, man. If a white kid, if the Florida quarterback recruit tweets out rap lyrics, he can lose his football scholarship. That is not right. That is not fair. That is not what should be going on because he's existing in this toxic culture as well. And so I get why people would be upset and would think it's hypocritical and think there are two separate sets of rules. But what I've been arguing on this show from the outset and what I've been trying to articulate that this familyless culture that America keeps running towards and has taken complete hold of black culture It destroys everything, everything. Your white kids are being destroyed by it too. That's what explains the Florida football recruit that that, that lost his scholarship for repeating some rap lyrics over Twitter or wherever he did it. It's this racial idolatry that the left is pushing and celebrating it's destroying our kids and young people. And so here's Alabama on the other side of, okay, now we know that Brandon drove the gun up there. The police have said, and hey, we've reached the conclusion that he did nothing criminal, Poor judgment, no doubt, but this, the police are probably saying it this way, I don't mean it in any malicious way, but they're saying this naive idiot uh, foolishly drove up here out of some sense of loyalty to his teammates, some kind of racial loyalty, some kind of hip hop culture loyalty, it was stupid. But it's not criminal and we're not going to put this kid in prison or in jail for it. We got the two bad guys. It's Michael Davis and Darius Miles. We, the police have a lot of experience. you like, they can look at Daryl and Yolanda, look at the work that they did, and say, ah, let's not throw this kid away. And so, once the police and the prosecutor turns, and maybe they're all Alabama fans, and that's what's driving them. Maybe that's true. Maybe. But but fairness might be driving them as well. And so, once the police and the prosecutors decide, nah, he did nothing criminal. What's Alabama supposed to do now? Boot him off the team? make him a pariah it to me the solution isn't booting uh Brandon Miller off the team I would suspend Nate Oates the head coach and and what I would suspend him for wouldn't fire him I would suspend him because these coaches are in tough positions too Because they're in a catch-22. But as the ultimate authority and as the coach, you know who the idiots are on your team. You know who the gangbangers and the people that are up to no good on your team. And I would suspend Nate Oates for saying, hey, man, we should have run Darius Miles up out of here. Darius Miles shouldn't be on our team. He's a poison for the rest of the kids on our team. We owe it to Daryl and Yolanda not to put their son in the same environment with this piece of poison we let run around on our basketball team. We owe them that. And so Nate, we're gonna sit you down for a couple of days and we're gonna point a finger at you for not being a good steward of this basketball team. That's why they're probably paying the guy two, three, four million dollars to make sure he can spot who the idiots are. As some, I'm older than Nate Oaks, but as someone that's had to oversee uh, the behavior of people that you know, I'm working with and be the eyes and ears and hey, I think we got this going on, that going on, you can spot the idiots. You can spot the people that don't have discipline around female employees. They expose themselves. Only an idiot who shouldn't be in a leadership position can't spot them. Doesn't mean you stamp it all out, but you're never surprised. You're never like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Because they leave clues. And so Nate Oates and his assistant coaching staff, because I I had guys on my football team that dealt drugs. This is back in the 80s. We had guys that used way too many drugs and it affected their play. Eventually, the, the players would snitch on them to the coaches. And the coaches would make a choice to do something about it or make a choice to do nothing about it. And it's all it's like back in my day, it, it's like every coach knew who was using steroids and they look the other way. And so if someone got in trouble for using steroids or whatever, the, the coach can't plead ignorance because he knew it. He was tolerating it. When, when, when Darius Miles is on your basketball team and his friend Nook Nook keeps coming up from Maryland you or your assistant coaches should be smart enough to figure it out. I I go back to the story about John Thompson years ago at Georgetown and it's an exaggerated story, but there's truth to it. When he confronted a drug dealer that was trying to get his hooks, I believe into Alonzo Mourning, and John Thompson confronted the drug dealer and said, nah, man, that's not going to happen here. That's why they're paying you all that money. And so I would not fire Nate Oates because he's in a tough spot because this little racial game, racial idolatry game that we keep playing in in all of our public conversations, let's say he wants to distance himself and the program from Nate Oates. I mean from uh, uh, Darius Miles. He runs the risk of being called a racist. Oh, that kid's just from a tough background. He just needs a break. You don't want to give it to you, you racist. All you want to do is coach kids from two parent homes. You racist. And the entire problem that we as a group and as an entire society need to deal with, nothing good comes from this toxic anti-family culture that we're tolerating. Across the board, you can take race out of it. We have an anti-family mentality in America. And as long as that's the case, we're gonna produce a toxic culture that destroys our kids. And so some, this isn't a race thing, I keep repeating myself, but some of you white folks, that are wondering why your kids want to cut their penises off and and their breasts off and they want to. It's because our family commitment isn't there as a society, as a culture. We're all out chasing money. Daryl Miller in 1991 or 92, he told you what you should do. He left his football dreams to go raise his son. And he did a great job. But this toxic culture that we have and that his kid has to exist in has got his kid caught up. And and I do have some sympathy for Brandon Miller. Maybe there will be additional text messages that come out that will undermine my sympathy uh, for Brandon Miller. But I doubt it. Based off what I heard today about this young man and his family, not an innocent victim. He clearly made a mistake here. But I understand how it happened. We've put kids in an incredible obstacle course. And it's so much worse because I think about it was so much easier for me to make the right choices than it is for kids today. This, this negative racially idolatrous culture that we have has such a hold on our kids that we're looking at a kid with NBA millions waiting on him. Great parents supporting him a university behind him and, and he can't make the right decision because he's trapped like, oh man, I'm a punk. I'm not black, I'm not down. I'm not this, I'm not that. Let me go drive up here and see what's happening. Whereas if you're a white kid, <laughs> I ain't getting involved in that shit. <laughs> and no one's gonna question your whiteness. No one's gonna question anything. Just like, yeah, you ain't getting, I ain't getting involved in that. But but I, I don't wanna racialize it because I'm just, t- it's touching us all in different ways. And and as I've said many times on this show, black folks are just the lab rats for this satanic agenda that is destroying America. And, and it breaks my heart to see kids caught up in it and so I'm going to uh, wait for additional information before reaching a final conclusion but if if you wanted to know why Brandon Miller made the wrong choices I I've I hope that I have unpacked for you why and how it happens and what the solution is and, and the solution is like we're going to have to do the difficult thing, return to some biblical family values if we really want to address this. Suspending Brandon Miller, kicking him off the team, won't fix anything. It, it just won't. And, and, and so, Steve Kim, I'm going to apologize. I'm, I'm going to we're going to extend this conversation into tomorrow. We'll hear from Steve and uh, Delano and Royce and Shamika will be great on this. Uh, we'll, we'll extend the conversation tomorrow. But, uh, you know, I, I just I rambled too long here and just got too caught up. But I, I want you to understand this is all connected to why we're doing the roll call event. Because it's about men taking back control of this society, living up to our responsibilities. Because we don't even get it. We don't even know who the enemy is right now. We don't even understand. This is a battle of good versus evil, that Satan is in control. And for those of you that are non-believers, this is why I want you to come to roll call so that... It can be broken down to you by a group of speakers and just be in an environment that this, is, you don't have to be perfect. I'm as flawed as they come. I, I'm, I've committed every sin that a lustful, gluttonous man can commit. You don't have to be perfect, but at this time you have to recognize we have men, white, black, brown, yellow, We have created a society that is destroying young people. And it's on us. We've been cowards. We haven't been willing to do what Daryl Miller did. Sell out for our young people. Sacrifice for our young people. Stand up in our communities and draw a line in the sand and start, hey man, this satanic music and culture. again. This is where I blame Alabama and all these, they're pumping this music into young people that's telling them to make the decision that Brandon Miller made. We have to reject that and leave it all alone. Or we're gonna to continue to destroy these kids and put them into positions where they make awful choices. I want you to come to roll call, Go to Fearless Army, rollcall.com. It's April 15th. And, and this isn't, we're going to have a good time. We're going to feed you. We got music. but But this is, I just, I need you there because we need soldiers out in the field pushing this message, making people talk about what's really going on. Social media just wants us to vilify someone and, and, Oh, there go the bad guy. Social media doesn't want you looking in the mirror and ask, what have I done? Am I contributing to this? Am I looking the other way? As, as we walk young people into their own destruction? Is it easier to be a young person now than it was when I was a kid? It's, it's just not. We're making things harder on kids, harder for them to make good choices. We stuff pornography and, and, and satanic music down their throat. We don't even let them be kids. Play tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow. For a breakout, feeling like a off, nothing in life like freedom. Came in like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a con- Never been alone, I'll break my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving All deceiving, we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just want